All right. So I just kind of want to hear from you guys for the, the first part. What have you learned from Isaiah that has changed your life? What, um, what did <laughs> I asked my mom this just a little and my dad a little while ago? What did you not know a year ago that you know today that uh, has impacted the, the way that you approach the gospel, the, you're learning, you're, you're growing and, and everything. Um, how has Isaiah been instrumental in, um, in your process, just everything? Um, I, I just kind of like to short little testimony meeting <laughs> about the, the prophet Isaiah and his words. Um, how have they impacted you and, and your studies? I'll go first. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, he, he's a remarkable prophet. Um, unbelievable. My, um, it's my computer... Mm -hmm. I have yeah, the worst connection. Sorry, can you hear me? Yep. Um, just for me, it's been a tremendous increase in faith that we can, when we make covenants with God, that he will bless us and hear us and be involved in our life. And several times in these last chapters, Avram talked about how Moses wanted the children of Israel to go up on the mountain with him and speak with God face to face. And I believe we can do that. I really do. I, I'm, I'm going to cry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so for me, that has been so brought to life and to light and just a tremendous increase in faith. And I can't ever imagine a time when I'm not studying Isaiah now. <laughs> so thank you, Cameron. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, it, it's been amazing. It, yeah, don't thank me. I, I'm just the one that facilitates the group, but <laughs> Isaiah wasn't my first choice. But, but what rich blessings have, have come from it, for sure. Well, I wish I could remember things. I wish I was um, 20 years younger. <laughs> um, I've been trying to grasp Isaiah for 15 years, and I feel like I have a little, a little closer understanding, but it's certainly not where I want it to be. Mm -hmm. um, I'm grateful to understand the parallels and to be able to see things happening and understand that they're prophesied and that we have a deliverer and that he will, the Lord will lead us through. And um, as President Nielsen said, it will be glorious. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. and I know it will be. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be a bumpy road. Um, it has been a bumpy road, but it's going to get worse. Um, I guess I'm just grateful to. I'm grateful to know that there are prophecies of things that are happening, and that they're happening for reasons. Um, I think otherwise, I would be really fearful or really lost. I, I would hate to see that not having that knowledge. Um, I'm grateful for the sister that told me to read Matthew 24 and I in Doctrine and Covenants 45. 
years ago that kind of like set me on the course of trying to understand life. <laughs> um, there, there's so much more. And sometimes I wish it would all just fit in a capsule and you could just like take it and then it would like be in you because it's a lot of work. And I think the most frustrating part is just not being able to retain it all. Like I can read it at the beginning of the week and then I come here and I can't. And then I, I can read it two hours ago and then I come here and I, and I can't discuss it. But I feel like it, I have an understanding inside me. And so I'm grateful for that. Mm -hmm. oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know, just kind of jumping in there. My biggest thing I think that I've learned from Isaiah was the whole descent before ascent, the, the purpose for trials in our life and the magnitude that they, they serve. So um, studying the life of Abraham, uh, I think was crucial for me to prepare for, for Isaiah and to learn that principle. Uh, I'm grateful that that came uh, through the, the words of, of Avraham Gileadi there. Um, but I mean, now studying out the actual words of Isaiah and the prophecies, I can see it so clearly that descent before ascent in in our lives and what that means. That's that's the Lord's pattern for helping us rise to our potentials. And I think that that was uh, the biggest aha moment for me was, oh, I, I just needed to chart it out. I needed to see it uh, to be able to understand it. You know, I, I, I know that trials are for our good, et cetera. We need to, to bear them well, but um, knowing that simple diagram that simple principle has just changed everything for me i can put everything into a proper perspective with that in the back of my mind at all times um davidic covenant and, and the davidic servant etc are, are amazing but um that that pattern how to um minister more effectively to those around me to be able to see where they're at and see what descents that they might be in at any given time so that um, we can all just help one another uh, along this path has just completely changed everything for me. I think that that's my, my biggest takeaway from, from Isaiah. Uh, and now taking that and applying it throughout all scripture and, and studies and stuff is, has been so rewarding. Yeah, it's kind of like a weird testimony meeting. <laughs> like we're not like concluding and, and saying this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen, kind of thing to who goes next. But, <laughs> but I really like that, what you said. Um, and I do think about those things too. So yeah, thank you for that reminder. I like that. Yeah. All right. And anyone else that would like to share? We'll, uh... Yeah. <clears throat> Am I on? Mm -hmm. yeah i i got a whole page here but i'm gonna condense it down <laughs> but i too a whole page that's okay we can wait <laughs> i too love the learning about the ladder and the s ascent bef i mean descent before ascent it makes it so much easier to go through the trials because you know why you're going through them and and like yeah it's gonna be good you know and uh, anyway I really like that part and I I loved when we talked about 
leaving Babylon behind. And uh, I hadn't really realized how much I was still in Babylon. And uh, I like, it, it, is, it was so freeing to get rid of that stuff. Like from the movies and the, all my collections that were excessive to all of, all of that, just, and I've never missed it since. It's like, it, it was very freeing to be able to do that. And um, I like that part. I love learning about the Antine Servant. And I, I loved learning about the Sinai Covenant and the Davidic Covenant and, and why we had both of them. And I never had heard of either one of them before. And to understand that and the part that that plays in our life, I, I really appreciate having that knowledge. And I, I liked learning about the, the, the iniquities, their sins and iniquities. Iniquities are generational. They come from our ancestry. And, um, and to learn that the Lord wants those lines cleansed before he comes. And, and so we all have an obligation to, to take care of that in our lines and stuff. And at first, I, I thought that was just like, oh, that, almost scary to try to do that. But it's not. I, I, I've been asking and, and receive answers how to do that and, and doing Davidic covenants. And it, I, I feel like I'm really helping my ancestors a lot and, and us too, because the, those iniquities carry on to third and fourth generations, which is in the cases where I've been working on, that's me and my children and grandchildren. And uh, anyway, I, I love learning all this stuff. I had no idea about any of this before we started into Isaiah. And I appreciate, I'm, I feel like we were led to Isaiah at this point. And because it was time to learn these things. And I just appreciate the journey and that I can see the hand of the Lord behind it too. And that why we studied that when we did. Anyway, I'm very, very grateful. And I love doing it with all my friends here. <laughs> yeah. So where does Isaiah take us next? I mean, as individuals, not necessarily as a group, but... Um, like, what do we, how do we deep dive into Isaiah next? Because one thing that, that Avraham talks about is, you know, you, you got to study it for at least a good two years before you can really understand it and comprehend all of the intricacies, et cetera, uh, or even start to, to understand those things. Um, I think one of my main ones was going down to education week and finding the works of Joseph Spencer. Um, that's that's kind of where I'm headed next is looking specifically in the Book of Mormon for literary patterns and stuff. But you know, I, it's just going to be a lifelong journey through through Isaiah. 
but um, I think that that's kind of what's calling me, but trying to fit that in my schedule is kind of hard, but um, uh, there's, there's so much uh, complexity to, to his words and stuff. Uh, I think I want to, you know, eventually make it through some, some more of Avraham Gileadi's books, uh, go through Hopkins and Madsen and, and, and some of those, um, but just taking a look at Isaiah from all these different angles, seeing what uh, the Lord is doing to help unlock it amongst multiple individuals yeah. uh, here in the last days. You can really see that happening. And, and you can see that we really need it here. In the, it, it's for this, our day right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I never even knew it. Like, I mean, I know that the Book of Mormon's written for our day but I didn't realize how much Isaiah was applicable. Like as we're reading each and every chapter, it's like, oh, uh, that's happened. This is happening. And this is what's going to happen. Like, I mean, it's, it's a play-by-play -play <laughs> for, for our day. I, I love it. I had no idea how long I had um, not taken that commandment to study Isaiah seriously. I was like, oh, sometime, sometime I'll, I'll get to it kind of thing. But man how rewarding when you're ready to come to the lord he's ready to come to you and just flood you with with knowledge more like uh laura said more than you can understand and uh, are ready for it. you can't even comprehend it the next week after you read it but um getting involved and um uh, just rinse wash and repeat <laughs> and eventually you'll you'll get some more hey cameron hold that book up again and tell us the name and the author. Yeah, so um, this is called The Vision of All. Uh, it's by Gifford Books, or let's see, no, not Gifford Books. He, Greg Cofford Books uh, is the publisher, so it's not in Deseret Book or anything. Uh, all of this series have the same look and feel to their cover, um, but this one is by Joseph M. Spencer, um, and it's called The Vision of All. I don't know if that comes up and it's 25 lectures on Isaiah in Nephi's record specifically. Um, so uh, again, uh, this was a, a class at education week and it just totally uh, made me start thinking in, in different uh, terms and, and ways, but uh, he doesn't agree with Gileadi on, on much, <laughs> but um, he's looking at the literary patterns the chiasmus and, and parallelisms, etc., of Isaiah in the works of Nephi, and uh, I don't know. I think it's revolutionary uh, some of the ideas that that he's coming up with. So, um, both him and Gileadi and uh, Brookley, like all of these major scholars that are finally starting to unlock Isaiah, all say that the key is the exact same thing it's through the literary structures that unlocks those words. Um, and so- Why does he not agree with Gileadi? That's what Gileadi does. <laughs> yeah, did exactly. They have in, the same keys of- Did he I, say that in the audience or did he say that to you privately? No, in the, the audience. So um, some people were asking like, hey, where do we learn more about Isaiah, et cetera? Um, what translations do you trust? And so he was kind of going through some of the different ones and uh, he never did mention Gileadis. And then somebody raised their hand and they said, well, what about like Avraham Gileadi and, and his translation? And he, uh, 
I wish this wasn't recorded, but uh, <laughs> I doubt it'll ever get back to him. But anyway, he, he was just putting his fingers together and he's like, how do I say this publicly? Um, well, let's just say Gileadi is far from the mainstream and be very careful with his words. And then he left it at that. And well, Gileadi's <laughs> been doing this for 30 years and how long has Spencer been studying it? <laughs> it's like if Spencer's probably only like 40 years old himself, but uh, I don't know. It, it's very interesting how scholars yeah. approach other scholars. I, you know, there's, there's kind of like this jealousy and mm -hmm. envy. But the thing is, going through his class, I'm like, you guys are using the exact same key to unlock Isaiah, and, and you're going about it the, the same ways and stuff. But the, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's just taking commentaries for what they are and then uh, taking that to the Lord and, and learning from it. So I think that there's benefit in studying everybody. Um, uh, but uh, Joseph Spencer's are, are some of uh, some intriguing ideas that, that I'm kind of getting led down at the moment. Um, not saying that I'm going to stay here or there or anywhere, but um, I, I just like looking at Isaiah from lots of different angles. And I haven't read Avraham's book uh, that's called Studies in the Book of Mormon. Um, I, after I get done with Spencer's, I kind of want to go to Gileadi's approach to the Book of Mormon content of Isaiah and kind of compare the two and see what they have to say and everything. Um, but yeah, uh, when you're in one of like Spencer's classes, you'll kind of get rubbed a little bit the wrong way, but um, sometimes you just have to push past it for <laughs> some of the scholarly uh, uh, advancements that, that he's talking about. Very interesting. Uh, yeah, just don't tell him I said that. <laughs> you feel like um, you have found where Spencer has disagreed with Gileadi? No, not at all. Um, so one of the things that I'm assuming, you know, so don't say that this is what it is, but I think that he thinks the ladder to heaven, Isaiah's seven step approach to heaven is complete bunk kind of based on some of the different little comments that he had made i think that that's what he's alluding to um but at the same time i don't know that he's put in any effort to take a look at it with with open eyes and and try to see that um but you know every time that there's truth it's going to be attacked before it's understood right so uh, I can never judge anybody on on their scholarly approach to things because half of the time I look at <laughs> at some people and go, man, they are they're over a cliff, they're they're close to apostate. And then I a couple of years later I take a look back and go, oh no, they they were <laughs> they were uh, pretty good all along. I do, I just wasn't ready for it at the time, or you know, etc. So um, you know, everybody has their the ways that they're led in in their studies and in the spirit is is just different and we all get privately tutored by the spirit in different time frames and and different journeys but you know the the more we keep going along i think the more common ground we can find with each other rather than trying to to butt heads all the time even if we disagree not to be disagreeable and just learn from each other all the time I think that's where a lot of this is at. I, I remember uh, you had texted me, Janet, a while back on 
some of these, these authors that have fallen away from the church or not fallen away from the church, um, either had disciplinary action taken against them or, or vice versa, you know, like, but some of the, the greatest teachings have, have come through them throughout the years on different aspects of the gospel. Um, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know, we just have to be aware at all times how to hear him and have a personal connection with heaven and take in truth. And, and sometimes that might get altered and modified over time. The spirit might say, yes, I taught you that way then, but now I need to teach you the same principle from another perspective and you need to learn it that way. Um, and I don't know, that's the biggest paradigm shift for me. Uh, not judging anyone based upon where they're at in their studies because uh, it, it's all a private tutorship and <laughs> uh, it's very interesting. Especially when you kind of get called out on it, not trying to do the pity party thing but like you know when when family comes at you and says hey you're 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 wild and you're off the deep end and stuff and it's just like all right well we're not studying the same things but let's just try to find common ground and 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 go from there um you know we're we're gonna have to do that in our families in our congregations in our communities um because these last days are a tumultuous time when there's so many things running rampant and we just have to be on guard all the time. Uh, like president Nelson said, um, only those who are able to, to hear him, it won't be, let's see, we won't be able to survive spiritually without the, the guiding protecting influence of the spirit. Um, being able to, to hear him constantly. That's, that's the goal. Uh, that's what we're all striving to do. So I, I apply that to, to our learning uh, in a general sense everybody's on a, a way different journey. Even life situations have, what do you call it? I don't know. I, moms with young kids don't have as much time to study as yeah. women that, you know, children are out of the home. And when they have time to study, what they're studying is just what they can study, which may be just one, one verse or, you know, one part of come follow me a night or, you know, whatever it is that mm -hmm. to, to dig deep into it. Yeah, exactly. Circumstances are so wildly different. Oh. Um, Satan has a way of keeping us really busy too. Even that's what we have to do. I think that that's one of my biggest downfalls. <laughs> I try to keep really busy uh, all the time and sometimes it's a little too busy and I can't do some of the most important things and I'm always having to choose good, better, best. <laughs> a hard one for me. All right. Well, let's dive into to Isaiah. Um, Let's do chapter 63. I think 63 and 66 are kind of my goals to, to make sure to hit with everyone, but um, over there, where am I at? Okay, is that Isaiah on the screen? Sometimes it gives me two green boxes and I don't know which one it is. Um, I can see Isaiah 63. Okay um uh comparative translation there all 
right, how many verses do we got? We got 19, so like 10 verses a piece. Um, let's see, Laura, would you start off with verses one through 10 and then I'll finish out this chapter and then we'll go on to 66. Who is this coming from Edom in red stained garments? Who is this from Boras, arrayed in majesty, pressing forward in strength of his power? It is I who am mighty to save, announcing righteousness. Why are you clothed in red, your garments like those who tread grapes and winepress? Alone I have treaded out a vatful of the nations. No one was with me. I trod them down in my anger and my wrath. I trampled them. Their lifeblood splattered my garments and I have stained my whole attire. For I had resolved on a day of vengeance and the year of my redeem had come. I glanced around, but none would lend help. I glared, but no one would assist. So my own arm bought out salvation for me and my wrath, it assisted me. I trod nations underfoot in my anger and I made them drunk by my rage when I cast their glory to the ground. I will recount in praise of Jehovah, Jehovah's loving favors, according to all that Jehovah has done for us. According to the great kindness, he has mercifully and graciously rendered the house of Israel. For he thought, surely they are my people, sons who will not play false. And so he became their savior. With all their troubles, he troubled himself, the angel of his presence delivering them. In his love and compassion, he himself redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit till he became their enemy and himself fought against them. Then his people, uh yeah. Sorry, it's kind of breaking up just right there. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, you're good now. Okay. Um, I thought it was interesting how Auburn Im- interpreted that. That um uh, oh, I'm sorry. That the Savior would come in red garments. And he said it was because he had slaughtered the wicked and it was their blood. Did you? Did you remember reading that? Yeah, isn't that so interesting? Because I, I mean, that's just a new way of, of picturing it. I, I hadn't done that before. Um, it's not that, it, that he's vengeful. It actually is because he's merciful. And it's better that they are destroyed than to be allowed to continue in their wickedness. Mm-hmm. Yeah anyway sorry oh no you're good yeah i i love it so i haven't read the commentary on this chapter for a couple months and you know it kind of had escaped me there but yeah uh, i love all of the the edom imagery you know edom being esau and the the red imagery from there and um how that plays in to that he he's a, a merciful god and he he treads the the wine press alone kind of thing i i think that's a, some very interesting um comparisons there 
So that's interesting. When he comes back, he'll be wearing red robes. Mm-hmm. Just explaining why then, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see. I'm just looking through those those verses there again because there was something else that popped out to me along that same line. I don't know. Maybe it's just lost. <laughs> but um, lots of interesting stuff. We'll we'll come back uh, full circle to it. Um, so verse eleven through through the end. Uh, then his people recall the days of Moses of old, where, where is he who brought them up out of the sea? Who is the shepherd of his flock? Where is he who put into him his Holy Spirit, who made his glorious arm proceed at the right hand of Moses, who divided the waters before them, making an everlasting name for himself? When he led them through the deep, let, no, like the horse of the desert, they stumbled not, like cattle descending the slopes of ravines, it was the spirit of Jehovah that guided them. So you led your people, O Jehovah, acquiring illustrious renown. O look down from heaven, from your holy and glorious celestial abode, and behold, where now are your zeal and your might? The yearnings of your bosom and your compassion are withheld from us. Surely you are our father, though Abraham does not know us or Israel recognizes us. You, O Jehovah, are our father, our redeemer from eternity is your name. Why, O Jehovah, have you made us stray from your ways, hardening our hearts so that we do not fear you? Relent for the sake of your servants, the tribes that are your inheritance. But a little while had your people possessed the holy place when your enemies trod down your sanctuary. We have become as those whom you have never ruled and who have not been known by your name. So that's a very interesting chapter all put together. So like, who is the voice here and, and what is it prophesying of? And um, I don't know, there's, there's just some amazing imagery. When I read it uh, again today, I was thinking, Ooh, this is, this is a good one. Uh, I, I know it's good when I don't understand half of it. Right. <laughs> and so uh, going through Avraham's commentary was uh, quite eye-opening. Um, let me, pull up some of those that so yeah uh, just kind of reading through um these two two paragraphs uh mother would you read those for us um these kind of go through that that edom and basra and the the red uh significance there The names Edom and Basra and the idea of a day of vengeance and the year of my redeemed established word links to another passage. When my sword drinks its fill in the heavens, it shall come down on Edom in judgment on the people I have sentenced to damnation. Jehovah has a sword that shall engorge with blood and glut itself with fat the blood of lambs and he goats the kidney fat of rams for jehovah will hold a slaughter in basra an immense massacre in the land of edom for it is jehovah's day of vengeance the year of 
retribution on behalf of Zion. Jehovah's judgment on Edom, however, is a judgment on all nations or Gentiles. Let the earth give heed and all who are upon it, the world and all who spring from it. Jehovah's rage is upon all nations. His fury upon all their hosts. He has doomed them, consigned them to the slaughter. The name Edom, which designates Esau, Jacob's brother, alludes to those who, like Esau, sell their birthright for a mess of pottage. These go to the slaughter, as Jehovah himself goes to the slaughter when he atones for humanity's transgressions and becomes its savior. There's so much there. So this was just last night. I don't even know the coincidence of it. It's just making my head pop open right now. So um, I, I've been into like learning how to do uh, pioneer processes, etc., and stuff. And so right now I'm, I'm learning how to make my own yogurts and cheeses and uh, soaps um, from uh, different animal products and stuff. So last night uh, was uh, about tallow, how to make uh, soap from, from tallow and lye, etc. And the best tallow comes from kidney fat. So the, the fat that's around the kidneys. And, and I, I really got thinking all night about uh, the, the significance of that. Like, what is the purpose of the kidneys? And, and why is it the fat around the kidneys that bakes, that makes the best tallow in order to cleanse and to purify? It's the, the conduit for, for soap and, and cleansing and cleaning. And then looking at this here, um, let's see that Jehovah has a sword that shall engorge with blood and glut itself with fat, the blood of lambs and he goats, but the kidney fat of rams. And so, um, I don't, I, I don't even know the full implications, but I think that that sentence is so interesting. It's going to be a topic of my, my study. What's the difference between the blood of lambs and he goats versus kidney fat of rams? Why aren't those switched around and, and why is it one versus the other? And, and how does that play into Christ's red garments when he comes um, and the, the, the whole vengeance and, and stuff principle? I don't even know if I'm making sense, but it. <laughs> so wait, click on Isaiah 34, five through six. And those, those things, uh -huh. right? what do those say? All right, so that, that part that he quoted there. So when my sword drinks its fill in the heavens, it shall come down on Edom in judgment on the people I have sent it to damnation. Jehovah has a sword that shall engorge with blood and glut itself with fat, the blood of lambs and he goats, the kidney fat of rams. For Jehovah will hold a slaughter in Basra, an immense massacre in the land of Edom. Yeah, that's very interesting. An interesting way to talk about the atonement. <laughs> yeah. And then um, some of the, the things there's that another, he does in the end, yeah. There's mm -hmm. another link on there. Click on the other one. Um, let's see. The other link is the same verses, but it just adds verse eight. eight. Okay. So, for it is 
Jehovah's Day of Vengeance, the year of retribution on behalf of Zion. So this is that the Jehovah's Day of Vengeance is that three and a half year period that he keeps talking about um, uh, of the tribulations. Mm. Very interesting. Yeah, I'm going to have to do more study on, on Edom and, and Basra and how they compare with the blood versus kidney fat and lambs versus rams etc i think that there's going to be a lot there but anyway that might just be for my own personal study uh but i find that so interesting that the lord led me to that last night in order to prepare me for tonight i uh, i think I find that interesting where are you learning all this pioneer stuff are you teaching yourself or are you taking the class uh yeah well i mean like i'm just kind of watching different youtubes and stuff like that but it's all from just kind of a personal guidance, like, okay, I, I want to learn this, and then I want to learn this kind of a skill, etc. So my goal is to learn one new skill per month. So um, August and September were all about how to ferment, and so to make like sauerkraut, how to make my own vinegars, uh, mm -hmm. etc. And then next month is about um, yogurt and cheeses, like the soft cheeses and soaps. And then kind of moving on from there. But <laughs> so interesting. Yeah. here's a here's an interesting story. When we lived in Lehigh, um, my release society president and the bishop's, I guess soon to be bishop's wife, they both decided to take midwife classes. So this has been a long time. See, eight and um 14 years, 15, 16, 17 years ago. And my um impression was that um when they told me that 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 would be really needed, not that it was just something fun to do. And I said to them, this will be really needed. And they kind of looked at me like, I'm strange. Um, <laughs> anyway, you saw that the nurses in the hospital in New York in the maternity ward walked out, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then yesterday, one of those sisters taught an emergency birthing class. And it got me thinking, wow, just another like your mom has lost it kind of kit that I created before the swine flu pandemic. When we were in the middle of a move, I already had my box ready with masks and N95 masks and everything that I would need already in a bucket. So I didn't have to worry about going and looking for it. And I could just move to our next house. It was very interesting. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm going to have a bucket with birthing supplies. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, somebody I was just talking to uh, a couple of days ago, they, they know nothing about uh, obstetrics or anything like that but they were prompted very vividly um during their morning study to buy a whole bunch of forceps and i was like well that's a pretty pointed <laughs> inspiration like why do you need those but anyway that's what they not the other things thinking. just forceps yeah just forceps so forceps um, aren't always needed that's like in uh -huh. a an emergency emergency situation yeah exactly so i don't know where that person's life is going to take them in the next few years but apparently they're going to be either sending them off somewhere or or needing those to supply i don't know hopefully they they have all the other stuff uh, with right. whoever they join up with <laughs> interesting yeah mm -hmm. um let's see oh go ahead I was just going to say in that beginning of that reading, I was choking on a pill. That's why I turned my oh. thing on. But I thought I heard um, Angel of the Presence. Or Oh, yes. 
why is it talking about that? That's what I'm curious about. Uh -huh. Yeah, let's go back to that. Um, so just kind of re-reading that little part there. So for he thought, surely they are my people, sons who will not play false. And so he became their savior. With all their troubles, he troubled himself, the angel of his presence delivering them. So I think that that's very interesting, tying Isaiah to Abraham and uh, the stuff we learned in that book as well, where the angel of the presence in, in the book of Abraham, at least, is uh, uh, Enoch, right? And so, um, anyway, just what, what is he getting at here? So surely these are my people. So anytime that there's my people, it, it indicates a covenant. So these are children who have entered into a covenant and it calls them sons. So they're on the son servant level who will not play false, meaning their calling and election is made sure. And so he became their savior. And so tying in that, that covenant relationship there. With all their troubles, he troubled himself, meaning he's ministering directly to them throughout their, um, their trials. He's providing their descents so that they can ascend, and the angel of the presence delivering them. So um, it, it's just talking about just, just the whole plan uh, of how those sun servants are um, playing out the situation in in the, the day of vengeance which is that three and a half year period so the the savior is involved and the angel of the presence meaning the seraphim category is involved in in delivering them yeah, that redeems them lifts them carries them etc is just kind of defining that whole category of people there seems like you know i'm not an isaiah scholar don't take my word for it <laughs> i have i feel like i always have to give that disclaimer do you, think, now. <laughs> do you think that carries over to the seraphim that are the hundred forty-four thousand? yeah um so this one is specifically talking about the sun servant level because it's delineating out the sons versus the angel of the presence meaning the seraphim Mm -hmm. So the seraphim are the ones doing the delivering because the savior is taking them through the troubles. Mm -hmm. And so they're the ones called to, to minister there. Uh -huh. So that's what I was wondering. You think that's 144 that are helping there or. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. So the angel of the presence, I would say that that's typifying the whole 144,000 category mm -hmm. that are, are helping the sons through their their trials that's interesting yeah yeah that caught my attention too anytime i see angel of the presence now i know it's just like oh okay i think i know something here but let me try to figure it out so you said that meant enoch uh-huh yeah in the the abraham book that we went through uh e douglas clark that's his opinion anytime that it's talking about angel of the presence it means Enoch, who had ascended so high that he could represent Christ as if he was Christ. So kind of that divine investiture principle. And when it talks about an angel of his presence means an angel that's constantly in his presence. And so taking that and merging it with Isaiah's ideology or theology, an angel of the presence is anyone on the seraphim level. Um, but, you know, I... 
I don't know, there's a lot of different kind of interpretations kind of smashed into one. Um, but E. Douglas Clark said, angel of the presence always equals Enoch. But I think it, it can mean Enoch and it's usually typified by Enoch, but I think it's anybody on the seraphim level. But I could be wrong. That That's just my opinion. Thank you. Let's see. What else was there? Anything else that, that stood out to you from that chapter? There's a lot in there. And, and it seems to kind of take a different poetry style. This one was a little bit harder to read. It wasn't like the kind of melodic flow that, that some of the other chapters have. Um, but it's interesting how this one, just like we've seen um, in those links that we followed back to chapter 34, the chiastic structure from 34 to 63 is so strong. I mean, they are almost identical passages explaining each other. So in the Bifid structure, one is explaining one time frame and the other is explaining the, the last days. Um, but how the Lord is playing out the same events. And so if we study the, the historical approach to it, we'll be able to understand how the Lord works in the last days. And I think that that's why Edom and Basra are, are being... Uh, thrown out there to for our our study there yeah it, it was saying like it can it means more than just you mm -hmm. know stuff it's it's going back to esau because he sold his birthright so easily for a mess of pottage and you mm -hmm. know do we take things lightly like that people that you know don't treasure the the things of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's read 66 really quick before we end up for the night. Um, this is our last class on, let's see, yeah, let's see um, 24. So Janet, would you read uh, verses one through 12? And then um, mom, would you read... 13 through the end. Okay, I'm going to try not to cry. <laughs> <laughs> Thus says Jehovah, the heavens are my throne. The earth is my footstool. What house would you build me? What would serve me? as a place of rest. These are all things my hand has made, and thus all came unto me, oh, I'm sorry, unto being, says Jehovah, and yet I have regard for those who are of a humble and contrite spirit and who are vigilant for my word. But, who, but whoever slaughters an ox is as one who kills a man. And whoever sacrifices a lamb as one who breaks a dog's neck, whoever presents a grain offering is as one who offers swine's blood, and whoever burns incense as one who venerates idols. Just as they have preferred to go their own ways, their souls delighting, delighting in their abominations. So I will prescribe scribe intrigues for them and bring 
upon them the thing they dread. When I called, no one responded. When I spoke, none gave heed. They did what was evil in my eyes, and they chose to do what was not my will. Hear the word of Jehovah, you who are vigilant for his word, your brethren who abhor you and exclude you because of my name, say. Let Jehovah manifest his glory that we may seek cause for your joy. But it is they who, who shall suffer shame. Hark a tumult from the city, a noise from the temple. It is the voice of Jehovah paying his enemies what is due them. Before she is in labor, she gives birth. Before her ordeal overtakes her, she delivers a son. Who has heard the like or who has seen such things? Can the earth labor but a day and the nation be born at once? For as soon as she was in labor, Zion gave birth to her children. And I remember... Abraham says, yes, a nation can be born in a day. I think that is so cool that right. Zion will be born in a day. Anyway, shall, shall I bring to crisis and not bring on birth, says Jehovah, when it is I who caused the birth, shall I hinder it, says your God? Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her. All who love her join in her celebration all who mourn for her. That's the only thing I understood from that was that Zion will be born in a day. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that is. So I found on that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> when that's born in a day, I'm glad it just pop right out. Do <laughs> <laughs> you want me to continue here? Um. Let's see. Yeah, so there's 24. So if you could read two more verses through 12. Okay, from, from now on, nurse contentedly at her consoling breast, draw at your pleasure from the abundance of her bosom. For thus says Jehovah, see, I will ex extend peace to her like a river, the bounty of the nations like a stream in flood. Then shall you nurse and be carried upon the hip and dandled upon the knees. So now we should all sing peace like a river. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's hilarious. <laughs> all right, Mother, could you read 13 through the end? Sure. As one who is comforted by his mother, I will comfort you. For Jerusalem, you shall be comforted your heart shall rejoice to see it your limbs flourish like sprouting grass when the hand of jehovah shall be manifest among his servants and his rage among his enemies see jehovah comes with fire his chariots like a whirlwind to retaliate in furious anger to rebuke with con what is that? Conflag Conflagrations. Conflagrations of fire. 
for with fire and with the sword shall Jehovah execute judgment on all flesh, and those slain by Jehovah shall be many. As for the cultists who fornicate in the parks, the devotees of one in the center who eat the flesh of swine and prawn and rodents, they with their practices and ideas shall be made an end of, says Jehovah. For I will come to gather all nations and tongues that they may approach and behold my glory. And I will set a mark upon them, sending those of them who survived to the nations that had not heard the news concerning me, nor seen my glory. <coughs> to Tarshish, Pole, and Lud, the archers, to Tabal and Javon, and to the distant isles, and they shall declare my glory among the nations. And <coughs> I shall bring back all the brethren from throughout the nations to Jerusalem, my holy mountain says Jehovah, as offering to Jehovah on horses, in chariots, and wagons, and on mules, <coughs> and dromedaries, just as the Israelites brought offspring in pure vessels to the house of Jehovah. <coughs> of them, likewise, I will accept men to be priests and Levites, says Jehovah. And as the new heavens and the new earth, which I make, shall endure before me, says Jehovah, so shall your offspring and your and name endure. <coughs> the new moon after new moon, Sabbath after Sabbath, all flesh shall come. <coughs> to worship before me, says Jehovah. And they shall go out and look upon the corpses of the people who transgressed against me, whose worms do not die, and whose fire shall not be extinguished. They shall be a horror to all flesh. Isn't that such a perfect ending to Isaiah? <laughs> After you make your way through all 66 chapters, that's where he chooses to end it. I, I find that very interesting. Um, but I, I don't know. Uh, chapter 66 is such a, a hope-filled chapter, yet there's, there's lots of uh, craziness that, that has to happen there. You know, it's the, the best of times. It's the worst of times. Uh, just like uh, in the, the middle part of the Biffid structure, there's the, the tale of two cities here. And we're talking about uh, inheritance versus disinheritance. And, and it has to happen throughout this, this pride cycle. Those that, that keep the covenant and choose to be reborn do receive their inheritance. But those that do not, they shall not inherit uh, they are disinherited, and um, due to their disobedience and uh, everything, it's it's very. I don't even know how to say it. It's very harsh. Uh, I mean, very. <laughs> there's no mercy in that. Yet there there is all mercy because of 
um, Jehovah's uh, atonement and, and everything there. Anyway, uh, what else did you learn from, from that chapter? Anything that, that, that stood out to you there? Um, there, there was a lot, <laughs> but the, the city born in, in a day, uh, that takes me back to um, Esdras. Um, if anyone's watched my, my classes on that on, on YouTube, um, when we did that, uh, Ezra, when he's receiving uh, his different visions, um, there's one of them where he sees the city Zion appear out of nowhere just instantly um, in a day. And I, I hadn't pulled it into Isaiah yet until this chapter where, oh, yeah, can a nation be born in a day? Of course it can, because multiple prophets have prophesied that it will, um, uh, namely Esdras and, and Isaiah. They give a very, very poignant uh, imagery there that, that it does, uh, which is great. I, I'm, I'm glad that, <laughs> that it'll, it'll happen if we, we build Zion. Because um, as it is now, it seems like it's such a struggle trying to get that going, you know, because <laughs> a lot of people don't like to get their ministering done. And here we're supposed to be ministering to everyone. And it just kind of seems far off, mm -hmm. you know, like we got a ways to go. But that, I like that where this can happen in a day mm -hmm. or in a day. Yeah, so those that are ready will be able to do it, and those that won't, I mean, there's a there's a, a stark cutoff point there. I like in the, the chapter heading here that cultic practices and persecution by eclas easy, <laughs> ecclesiastical leaders coincide with Zion's rebirth before Jehovah comes. Um, that helps me make sense of, like, verse 3, for example. I mean, that that one always threw me off when I was reading that prior to, to studying Isaiah, but whoever slaughters an ox, ox is one who kills a man. And whoever sacrifices a lamb is one who breaks the dog's neck. Like all of those things seem so contradictory. You know, that there's some literary pattern or something there, but, but that's why, because there's going to be cultic practices and persecution by ecclesiastical leaders in that day that are that bring about god's vengeance and and everything uh that's why things have to happen the way they do because um we can't have zion being inherited by by those who are unworthy to inherit it and then this time around i really love verse six hark a tumult from the city a noise from the temple it is the voice of Jehovah. Uh, I think that that's, I don't know. I, I try to envision that in, in the last days. Like who is saying that here in Isaiah, but is that prophesying towards us in, in the last days? You know, like hark, um, there's, there's this noise coming from the temple, the voice of Jehovah. Um, before she is in labor, she gives birth. Before her ordeal overtakes her, she delivers a son. I think there's some just amazing imagery here. Um, anything else that, that stood out to you <laughs> or any final thoughts and takeaways from, from our whole class? Uh, it's, it's been quite a trip. You never mentioned pride cycle until tonight. 
Oh yeah. Huh? Uh, yeah. That's been coming to me the, the past couple of weeks or whatever, how, how the, the Book of Mormon Prime cycle is, is so much what's being played out in the Bifid structure of Isaiah. It's mm-hmm. kind of that, that Nephite thing that we typically diagram in seminary, you know, like it, it, it ends up in disinheritance and inheritance. Um, but there's a lot of steps that lead to it. Uh, first, it's, it's ruin and rebirth, punishment and deliverance. And we just work through the Bifid cycle and it starts splitting people up. So whether you want to ruin and rebirth, there's still time to course correct if you want rebirth. But um, every single step that we take pulls us farther and farther apart. And, and eventually it, it culminates in inheritance or disinheritance. That's the, the whole point of the, the Abrahamic covenant. You know, that's the, the end goal is for us to inherit god's presence and that happens by by building the city zion but that pride cycle just everything changes my paradigm well here's some talk in the hall today at church (laughs) yeah one of the sisters has an eighth grader and i guess in january they start seminary now oh really Mm Interesting. I, I hadn't put that together that, that, you know, because as um, Come Follow Me is, is lining up with seminary now and everything that eighth graders would be bumped up in, in that and stuff. That, that's very cool. I love it. It's never too early to start I seminary. Know. I haven't heard anything. I don't have an eighth grader. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, my daughter's a sophomore. Our daughter is a sophomore. Mm-hmm. She did start um, seminary in eighth grade. We started early because her birthday's in February, and I just don't want to have to push an 18-year-old out the door to seminary. I refuse. <laughs> yep, exactly. That'd be hard. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. It's going to be exciting for, for conference here in two weeks. I can't believe it's it's already upon us again. Um, that so one's we're not be- meeting next week? And then Correct. So yeah, we'll have two weeks off and then come back for, for general conference chat. And I'll send oh, wow. out a, a remind in plenty of time so we can remember. I have time to look at your videos. I just, <laughs> I didn't realize that you had those. Uh-huh, yeah, so that's how all of this kind of got kicked off. So um, last year, about this time, a little bit later, um, the Lord really prompted me to, to start teaching classes. And so it's very much a different kind of style because I was teaching back then versus now it's like a book club discussion kind of things. That's one of the course corrections the Lord made for me pretty early on. Uh, but we, we started off with um, those three classes, symbolism, uh, uh, truth of truth on Eden and chiasmus. And then we went right into Esdras because Ezra's eagle was such a hot topic. And so we studied the actual apocryphal works of Esdras. And I recorded um, those four different classes there that are available on, on YouTube. Uh, after that, the Lord led me to do book clubs and, and start with the, the book of Abraham there. Um, so yeah, it, it's been an interesting journey. <laughs> like There's seven well, classes. Seven classes? Seven Ezras, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's seven different ones there. So we 
uh, kind of hit all of the visions. It, it's such an interesting study there on um, on Ezra's because so often we've uh, hone in right on Ezra's eagle, but that's only one of the seven visions. And so you have to study them all in context in order to be able to interpret them correctly with the book of Daniel. And so uh, anyway, it, it was a, a very interesting deep dive into, into that prophet. Mm, yeah. It is also interesting. I know. <laughs> There's just not enough time. <laughs> brings a lot of peace to be able to see that these things were written that are happening a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's not a surprise. Yeah, exactly. Like we can live by faith. You know, there's going to be unknowns, but uh, with all of the prophecies and different things, we can have faith and not fear in the last days. That's so comforting. And we have a deliverer. That's my favorite part. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's been a super fun uh, dive into Isaiah with y'all. I'm, I'm so excited to uh, keep it going with, with Camp of Zion, but um, yeah, Isaiah has been life-changing <laughs> for me and, and I hope it has with y'all too. Um, I'll, I'll keep those videos up on, on the Learning Zion, uh, so that you can access those. Uh, I find that they're just a great reference point to, to kind of go back and, and revisit some of the principles. Um, lately I've been going back through some of our discussions on Isaiah Decoded and reviewing some of those interesting chapters that I <laughs> like I said, it's a book club because I'm not teaching anymore. This is, I'm out of my comfort zone, but um, looking through some of those principles that I did not understand at the time and now having more perspective to add to them, um, it would be super fun, you know, in, in a couple of years, if, <laughs> if technology and the book clubs are still around uh, to, to really dive back in with, with our whole group back into like Isaiah decoded and uh, kind of see some of our, our journeys and, and what we can add to, to our previous learning there. I think it'd be fun. Yeah. Have you sent out a reading schedule for um, Triumph of Zion? Uh-huh, I did, but um, I can text it to you. Um, I'll send that out. That'd be awesome. But yeah, so we're, we're gone for the next two weeks, and then we'll come back for a general conference chat. And then from there, it's basically one chapter a week, except for we're going to be combining chapters one and two, because they're kind of shorter. Okay, so that's, you don't have to send it back out then if that's what it is. I'll do the first two chapters on the mm -hmm. third week. Uh -huh, yeah, the first two chapters. On, let me just pull it up on the screen really quick so you can just kind of take a look at it. Um, Triumph of Yes. So, um, general conference chat on the 10th, and then chapters one and two on the 17th. And then after that, it's just one chapter a week. We're going to be having one week off for Thanksgiving, uh, two weeks off for Christmas. And then um, after Christmas, then we're going to split chapter 10 into four different parts because they're just super long. Um, and so just kind of tackling some of those uh, end chapters there. Is that the last chapter is 10? Uh-huh. Yeah. And so we'll be done with this in, in January and then we'll start a new book club in, in February, probably. But yeah, same time, same place. I brought up today the um, idea of doing Enoch letters to 
some of the sisters in the oh. ward. Um, so I think that we're going to form a little discussion group, maybe one or two meetings on that. Yeah, that would be so fun. I'm pretty excited just to mm -hmm. kind of where everybody's at, what we're thinking and what we need to focus on more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's been quite a while since I, I've read the Enoch letters and stuff. That would be uh, super fun to kind of go back through that. It's a fairly short read and stuff, but... Um, 80 pages. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and Maxwell's uh, style of writing is, is just great there. Did he write any other fiction books or is that the only one? Oh, that's a good question. I, I'm not sure. Uh, it's, it's the hard, only one that I know of. Hardcore spiritual scholar, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> but yeah, if anyone understood the last days and, and everything, it, I find that McConkie and Maxwell butt heads, but yet they have a, a great expanded vision when you study them both together kind of like joseph spencer and avraham Gileadi. <laughs> they're they're kind of the the two bookends that that uh lead there but but those two they they went through through hell and back um to give us some amazing insights and revelations to navigate the, the end times when we meet with avraham again ask him that ask him how he feels about spencer <laughs> I know I really should <laughs> he'll probably have, he to have to because I don't have anything to say about Spencer yet until I read his books <laughs> yeah for sure that's interesting I wonder what he would have to say about him mm -hmm. yeah for sure I appreciate all their work and your work too and I don't know where you find time to do all this I'm grateful oh yeah that I I don't know either there's just certain things that that pop up and <laughs> go into them but I I don't know I wish I could just spend all day in studying i wish i could just go back and be a missionary but like a higher level missionary where i could study not just the book of mormon and be able to study anything go out and proselyte all day and just be you know, what but you're a proselyte deep and you wouldn't be able to reach anybody yeah that, that's probably true Maybe <laughs> I just that's why yeah. young missionaries go out because they're not they haven't taken the deep dive yet mm -hmm. maybe that's what makes them out young <laughs> yeah basically i just wish i didn't have to like work and do all the mundane stuff i i just want to be like fully in the lord's service already i just want to be there <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure well it sounds like you're doing it you plug in and listen to all your stuff while you're working mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh but it's really great when i do get to put my headphones in and just kind of focus in <laughs> no. All right. Well, it's been super fun. We will catch everyone in, in a couple of weeks for some general conference. It's going to be an awesome conference. Uh, I'm not uh, a rumor monger, but I think that there's a couple different announcements that might be coming that will be fun. We'll see. And the and, homework and, was to build faith to move our mountains, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Was there other? Did I miss something else? Um, that's a good question. I, I remember that one for sure. Um, what other challenges were issued? I can't remember. If I, I remember any, I will uh, let you know. But yeah, that, that's the only one that's coming to my mind. Uh, Faith in the Mountains are. And the I seen on the Gospel Library app that the artwork came out for the, the October conference. Um, it's, the, it's like a shepherd in a field and some mountains in the distance kind of a thing. And so I thought that that was kind of fitting to that, that challenge there. Oh, and 
Janet had something to say. What did you have to say, Janet? I can't see that thing. It's so small. How do you see that? When you click on it, it just goes. Oh, um, I don't know. I must just have really good eyes. <laughs> Are you talking about this little thing right here? Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, on my screen, those icons are in a different layout. They're bigger. I want to hear what Janet has to say. You raised your hand. Oh. Speak, Janet. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Interrupt us because we're just Jabber Jaws. <laughs> Oh, and I missed Elle's message. Um, oh yeah, so Elle asked me uh, a couple of weeks ago um, and she's just reminded me. You said you might share thoughts on last days and antichrist, et cetera. Um, hope you can in between conference and the Zion book. So I, I'm trying to work on that and fit it in. Hopefully I can, can get some of that. Um, but uh, I was working off of Shell McDermott's um, list of the antichrist and all of the different characteristics that we know of him based on lots of different scriptures like daniel and ezra etc and so i was trying to make a similar list for the end time servant everything that we know about him from different prophets etc and kind of compare the list side by side um <laughs> see i'm i got like an eighth of the way through it and then I got sidetracked on all these other little side studies and, and things so <laughs> I'm trying to still work on that so where do you find Shell's list of list at oh that's a good question I mean like I have it in a pdf I can send it to you um I can't remember where I actually got it it might have been on no fear preps but I can't remember can you send it to all of us please please uh-huh yeah for sure uh, it's a very interesting um so, you know, it's like all timelines, like there's some things that I just don't agree with. There's some things that I love, but um, her list on the, the Antichrist characteristics are, are very interesting. Uh, just to see a bullet pointed laid out uh, thoughtfully. Um, I really like that. So yeah, let me find that and I'll, I'll email it out to you. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. So Janet, you are raising your hand. What were you going to say? I was just going to say goodbye and thank you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. Sounds good. We will see everyone in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Have a great week, everyone. Happy conference. <laughs>